You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramilla, credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. She's a features writer for Dime, the host of Dimes and Dishes Pod and Uh Basketball with Locked On Raptors host Sean Woodley, and generally a writer of really great words, especially over at The Athletic. It's the one and only Katie Heindel. <laughs> Why are you going to call me out like that? <laughs> what? What, what are you talking about? Uh, you, yeah, you, that's you, true. Yeah, let's, you, you're a writer of great words yeah. and some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, I, I wrote there before. <laughs> <laughs> you are mostly writing over at um, Dime, of course, and at basketballnews.com, mm-hmm. and also your incredible mm-hmm. work over at Basketball Feelings. I, I, you should subscribe to that if you haven't already. That's where she really goes off the wall and just writes about anything that really interests her, from Marcus All to arenas and the ability to travel to cover games and everything else. That was the most recent one. Very good stuff. So always, Thanks, always buddy. read and all of Katie's words. Thank you very much. Oh, and you're... thank you for having me. <laughs> well, you're welcome on both counts. Uh, normally, I harass you into coming on the show after you've written something really excellent about Jimmy Butler, but uh, no such luck today. We're just here to talk about the Raptors heat matchup set for Wednesday night. The teams have kind of turned it around. The heat are winners of three straight after a seven game road trip. Uh, they'll host the Raptors, who, despite some early season struggles, have uh, moved up to fifth in the Eastern Conference standings. They are uh, one game above 500 at 16 and 15. They've won four straight in seven of their last 10. What's the deal, Katie? How, how have the <laughs> Raptors been able to figure it out so easily? Small That's what everyone's saying. <laughs> I'm a bit dubious about it, like its longevity, but honestly, it seems to be working. It's interesting to me because I don't think it was like a genius brainchild of Nick Nurse or something like that. It was sort of just like, they're playing this way out of pure necessity. You know what I mean? Like you still yeah. don't, they don't have like a usable, well, they have like a usable center, but he's he's coming off the bench now. So when you have that sort of predicament, you got to make up for it in some way. Is this so Chris Boucher? Playing. No. <laughs> Who's your usable Aaron center? That's, oh yeah. Okay, that's right. It's Aaron Baines. Oh, sorry. I thought you were being cheeky, but no, truly, no, no, he is no. that forgettable. Yeah. Um, no, I, I know. No, I know Aaron was on there. I just I, I didn't realize he was coming off the bench um, at this point. I have not watched Toronto in some time, something I, I hope to remedy later on tonight before because I they're they're playing Miami mm-hmm. on the second night of a back to back set. So that's an interesting matchup there. Yeah, that will be interesting. I will be I will talk about this, I'm sure. But I think what I, what I meant was just like they I think Nick Nurse was just a point of like, if I can't rely on someone like Baines. I don't really want Boucher to be playing at the five. That's not a good role for him. He's he's better when he's free to just fly around and do his kind of crazy Chris Boucher things. Yeah. Um, so he's like, I'm just going to play my best five players. And it has worked. So I, uh, and a part of me hopes that this was just a little bit of gelling, whether that was after the move, um, whether that was just kind of like new, the new personnel stepping up, like Watanabe, Bembry have been like huge huge additions, especially in recent games. So I feel like they're just maybe more in their rhythm. To me, they're more recognizable. And I always recognize the Raptors playing kind of quote, like the Raptors when they have hit like a certain stride and you can kind of feel it uh, as a through line throughout all their games. 
what is what what does that mean to you? Like, what is it the the Raptors' identity, and how has it come through over the last few games, as opposed to where it was earlier in the season? Yeah, I think they're just like they. To me, at the beginning of the season, they won. They always just seemed to look so startled. They were easily like backed off. Um, they got very flustered very easily. It, it kind of felt like you know um, whether that was just like the rotations were very sticky and not working very well or nobody seemed to know their role or what even they wanted aspirationally their role to be. I think that was a huge thing for Pascal Siakam at the beginning of the season. But now the way that I recognize them and, and when I say like, oh, this feels like a Raptors team to me that I know, it's they're moving the ball around a lot. They're, they're, like, they're just talking to each other on the floor nonstop. There's a lot of communication. They're pretty annoying to other teams um, defensively and offensively. They're not that pretty, but you know they're just playing a kind of like gritty style of just like get it done basketball with these bright flourishes of, you know, if like Fred sinks a shot from way out or, or like Lowry just like throws a team on his back and goes to it. But I mean, Lowry's not available right now, which is the interesting thing also about this absence is that I can see so clearly his role, like filtering through the other players, even though he's not on the floor with them. What do you mean by filtering through like kind of like his talent distributing amongst everybody else and everybody kind of taking a piece of what Kyle does so well and, and just incorporating into their own game, <laughs> something like that? I mean, I think with like someone, well, someone like Fred Van Vliet, for example, who's just like basically Lowry's understudy and has, has been like that for the last few years, he just kind of picks, he, he picks up the Kyle Lowry sort of work ethic on the floor, but he puts his own spit on it, which is important because a big thing about the season, I don't know how much truth I'd like to give it or much how much weight but the reality is Larry could leave and I think for this team to kind of be sustainable especially for like someone like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, um, OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, even Norman Powell depending what happens with him is that they need to they kind of need to fill out their roles as them but take what Larry has taught them but like you can't rely and kind of lean on someone like that you know, one, when he's hurt and two, if he's not there anymore, because then they'll just kind of be bereft of this leader. Right. So I think what I'd like to see is just like the, the things that he kind of instills on the team and the way that he sort of is always a couple steps ahead. Like no one is as like many steps ahead as he is on the floor. I don't think, I don't think a lot of players just frankly, like don't have that talent. Right. Um, it's just like sort of the unique kind of lens that he sees the game. But I think you kind of see that a bit with Fred Van Vliet. I've seen it a lot with OG and Obi just in how like, I'm so glad he's back too, but just like, and how he can kind of switch from being like, really like, like helping, like helping out and just like really quiet on the floor to just all of a sudden being explosive and like right there in your face, either with like a shot from way outside a block, you know, just like getting up against the glass. Like he's just, he's kind of just flowing through all these roles. And it, I think maybe that's, the truer thing that I should have started with is like, it's like this continuity feeling. I think that it's not just the Raptors. A lot of, I think that he had this too. Like a lot of teams when they kind of hit that stride, there's a certain flowing feel. Through, I mean, no, I, that's... they just like, it, it doesn't feel as like effortful, right? You're, you, you for a minute are like watching and then you kind of check out a little bit because you just get so lost in what's actually unfolding in front of you. It's it's funny that you're kind of the the yin to my yang about this because like I'm hearing you talk about this and it, what you're describing sounds like 
well, maybe he's just inconsistent, but you're like talking about it in positive terms. Like he's just kind of drifting. That's the, the perspective anyway, from like heat fans. It's like, you know, Kelly Olenek, you could say, well, sometimes he plays defense well, but sometimes he goes scoreless in a game. And it's frustrating for heat fans, especially even I think the lens through which they view Bam because of course the max contract and how that changes the perspective of what kind of player he should be. And mm -hmm. he's just basically stuck to what's made him so good. He's just consistently good at everything. And that's not nearly enough for heat fans. They want him to be aggressive. And there was a two game stretch when, you know, Jimmy Butler was out of the lineup because of health and safety protocols where he was really aggressive against the Brooklyn Nets and wound up having a career high in points. And he just, all of a sudden, everybody's thinking, oh, this is it. This is max level BAM where he's looking to score, et cetera. And then Jimmy comes back. And even prior to Jimmy's return, BAM just kind of takes his foot off the gas a little bit. So how are you able to see that flowing in and out of those roles as a positive, as opposed to say like the heat fan perspective, looking at that, just being an inconsistent mess. <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely, um, when I say it feels more fluid, it's different from a player being inconsistent because the thing I will then go back to as an example is how Pascal Siakam played throughout the beginning halves of this season, which was incredibly streaky and incredibly yes. inconsistent and so frustrating to watch. Um, and he was one of the players where I felt like he just, you know, maybe a little similar to Bam is he kind of had this big year thrust upon him. Um, yeah, and, and he should have, like he did have the responsibility to step into that contract and to step into that role that he said he wanted to have with the team. But it just seemed like he didn't quite know in which direction to really take his game on the floor and like the, the best way to even like play his position. His finishing was terrible. Like he just, there was no, there was a real lack of commitment. And to me, I think that's what, when I look at a player being a little bit streaky or inconsistent, it is a lack of commitment. They're just kind of second guessing themselves with everything that they're doing. And Pascal was doing that immensely and he was not helping out anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he wasn't getting rebounds. He wasn't really like doing anything with assists. He was kind of just going ISO, but just like running himself out of bounds basically right. most of the time is what it felt like. So that to me is inconsistent. When I think there's this sort of fluidity and communication um, and guys are kind of like, you know, they're scoring, but maybe they don't have like the highest night, like scoring night of the season. But then you look at their other stats and like, you know, oh, they like they pulled down like six rebounds, you know, like the, the rest of this, everything else is like padded out. And I think it's when everybody is helping yeah, and kind of working on those other intangible things that you don't mind so much. I mean, you would love it if they could also be scoring, but you don't mind so much if they're having a quiet night on that front because they're sort of doing everything else and they're enabling their teammates to score, you know? So like maybe they're having like a wild night in assists. And I think for me, that's something, especially with OG Ananobi, like he, you know, he's averaging six rebounds a game. I mean, his scoring is, is okay. It's like, oh, that was Chris Boucher's, sorry. OG Ananobi's scoring isn't that far off. It's scoring about 14 points a game on average. Yeah. Um, six, yeah, six rebounds. Like he, he gets like a little sneaky steal here and there. And I, I just, to me, I think it's that that's a part of Lowry that is then applied to the team, which is just communicating and like do going extra, like putting the, putting in the extra legwork, even if it looks messy just to like grab the ball before it goes out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Has OG like, gotten any criticism levied his way? Like, has he not been, you know, productive enough for, for Raptors fans? Not this year. Um, I don't think so. Well, he signed like, his extension this offseason, right? Yeah, but like he was such um, a great bright spot in the bubble where I think the Raptors had so much trouble, especially against the Celtics, you know, when they when they got out. But OG to me was like the one kind of torchbearer and like hanging on to that feeling that I'm trying to describe yeah. maybe too poetically than concisely. Um, and that the way he came into this season was very much in that same mentality. So it was sort of a relief because for me at the beginning of the season, and we talked about this, like the Raptors really didn't look like themselves. There were right. huge identity problems. They were playing very poorly. Um, and it was lingering a lot longer than I thought it would to the point where I was kind of like, do I have to reconcile that this is just a, an okay team played to the best of their ability versus a really good team played badly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but OG was consistent through that, which to me gave me hope because it's like, well, if he still has this, there's still hope for this throughout the rest of the lineup. And there was uh and they've kind of gradually clawed their way back. And even that, even the way they just like have very ugly primed, like climb the standings. I don't really care. Like they can, they can like claw their way up for the rest of the season, but it's just, I think it's just the consistency. It's like, you just got to go out there and get back at it and try and get another win. Cause so many of the losses were just like hinging on like four points, two points. Like, it, you know, they weren't blowouts. But it still wasn't a team really doing what I knew them to do. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about the Raptors and the Heat in the next segment. I'm here with Katie Heindel. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. 20 minutes, Katie, that's all you need. I mean, you get your breakdown of everything. Everybody <laughs> chips in and chimes in. I, do you listen to podcasts on like two times speed? No. Do no. People do that? that oh, my. Sick to me. Are, are you serious? <laughs> that, i can't tell that, if you're being I facetious or not yeah no no I yeah yeah, yeah. oh well you you, it, you know it's funny because you i i it's such a joy talking to you because you have such a a deliberate approach to the game like you're one of the few people that do do view the nba through a more poetic lens and that's not to say that you don't incorporate statistics and all the other science of basketball into you i mean but you have a subset called basketball feelings so yeah. it just it makes a lot of sense that that's just how you approach the game and that's totally fine but yes back to my original question people absolutely listen to podcasts like at two times speed you get a half an hour show and you know 15 minutes i guess and, and why don't and so, you just like skip ahead you hit that like 10 second skip ahead button Cause that's no. not good. You know, it's not enough when you're, you know, running your marathon or whatever, the eight mile jog you go on in the, in the morning and uh, you want to listen to podcasts, you, you're, you're, you're getting you intense. You want to, yeah, mm -hmm. you gotta yes. listen to every podcast all at once, <laughs> 20 minutes. That's all you need. So you can get everything from football, basketball, college sports. That's the nature of the game. 
Miami hasn't looked particularly good of late, and I was curious what your perspective was. But I, before that, I was actually just thinking, now, what's the latest on Kyle Lowry? Because I know I saw some tweets where you were sourced indicating that Lowry was on his way out of Toronto, and obviously that's not the case. You get a sense of what the status is for him. Obviously, he's been hurt. Uh, he will not play against the Heat on Wednesday night. So um, what's what's next for him as far as the rest of the season? The, the, the trade deadline is up, nigh upon us, and everybody seems anxious to add a player of Lowry's caliber, uh, maybe not at his salary, but at least of what he can contribute on the court. I mean, I don't like it, but I also don't find it surprising. You know, like I don't give much cadence to the reports that are like, this bombshell. It's like, yeah, no, no doubt the Sixers – the Bucks, even the Heat, the Clippers could use a player like Kyle Lowry uh, to, to help them sort out. You know, a lot of teams in the East are struggling. Everyone is kind of hanging in this weird middle ground purgatory right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And they sort of need someone to just get in there and like be the architect and tell people where they need to be and just make, make the game more fluid. Just like I was saying, though Kyle Lowry does that in like a much more like deeply I'd say like analytical way. That's just the way I think his brain works, but I don't, I mean, I hope, I think he's, it's fine that he's out right now. Like they've been playing well through this stretch and if he needs to rest, he should rest, you know, and recover. Does it make him seem more expendable though, that they've been playing well without him? No, I, I had this conversation the other day and I don't think, I don't think it is because I think whether what you lose, if like what I was saying before, just about, what I hope is that, you know, now the new core of the team has still taken the lessons they've learned from Larry and are able to apply them on their own, plus put their own spin on it. Right. You want them to be independent uh, of him at some point. They can't always rely on him to be the leader forever. But at the same time right now, like Larry isn't checked out. Like I'm sure he's watching film. I'm sure he's talking to guys after the game, like t- talking through what's happened. He's still such a wealth of knowledge and understanding Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. for guys that you know as much as they're playing well now they do have a tendency to sometimes get cold get frustrated like that's just the reality I think with this Raptors lineup and Kyle Lowry can talk them through it because he's done that for years now so I think if he stays and his role would be more of like a I guess just like yeah more of like a veteran presence then I don't think it's fair to say like, oh, they're playing so well. <laughs> well, no, they don't need him because that's not true because he's still like, he's the closest the Raptors will ever probably have to a player like LeBron who can just decide like, I'm going to take over now. It's not like, it's not exactly like LeBron, but it's Kyle Lowry's own way. He's like, I'm going to take over now and we're going to win this game. I've seen him do that many times, especially in playoff situations. He's still the only player on the team. Fred Van kind of getting there, but that is able to just do that and decide. Um, and they'll need that. I've made this point about Jimmy many Mm -hmm. times like to me he is probably second I think uh, to LeBron and that he can just flip that switch like that that he sits back and you I think most he fans have started to recognize it but I I I feel I I feel like this is bragging I hate saying it this way but I noticed it early on that he had that capacity especially because when he first joined Miami it looked like he was just passing the ball and trying to get everybody going and it worked out because towards the end of the season obviously they had that confidence that he had slowly and methodically and purposefully built up is like oh yeah let me get tyler going he's got that capacity let me get you know kendrick nunn and you know somebody else going because they they have that ability to contribute especially offensively but jimmy 
can so perfectly just say, you know what, I'm going to play defense, you know, at a high level, I'm going to make plays for others. And then when he recognizes, when he sees the pace of the game, sometimes it's in the second quarter on Monday, it was in the third quarter where he just all of a sudden started bullying his way to the rim. His shot wasn't falling and he wound up taking nine free throw attempts anyway. So he just, this ability of him, of his, you know, just to be able to read the flow, the pace, the poetry of the game mm-hmm. and, and something that you would probably describe it as is, is so great because I just I, I love watching Jimmy Butler play. And I imagine a lot of Raptors fans probably feel the same way about Kyle Lowry. Yeah, they're both players that just figure out the way that their team needs to win and they'll do whatever that takes of them that night. Maybe it's not scoring, like you said, maybe it's like lighting other guys up and giving them opportunities and looks and putting them in the right place to place to do that on the floor. And I think you know, not now because Jimmy is still such a huge part. Like Jimmy is the star of the team, mm-hmm. but like if he stays in Miami, which he has said he wants to do, I could see him taking a similar kind of role. Like the just the way he's already been building up, you know, like the younger core of I, Heat. If those I have to play. interject here just for a second because unfortunately, one of the conversations on Heat Twitter has uh-huh. been that before this three game win streak, when they were dropping uh, double digit losses to the Clippers without four starters and losing in overtime to the Golden State Warriors without Klay Thompson, obviously, uh, Heat Twitter was just, well, they had abandoned the ship. And one of the conversations that was coming up <laughs> was trading Jimmy Butler. Uh, that the Heat front yeah. office hasn't done right by him. I don't know if you saw this kind of discourse on Twitter. And I, I hate getting into it, but I feel like that's such a big part of the show, my show, is that I have to talk to people in general and kind of re- read the room a little bit uh, from Heat fans. And and I just, I couldn't believe that conversation was coming up, that that the Heat need to move on from Lowry. I actually had somebody, and I don't like calling them out, and I'm not, but the suggestion was, Let's blow up the team next offseason, move younger and start, you know, building something different in a much more organic way than, right. uh, you know, around Jimmy Butler. And I just I mean, Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. We're, we're coming four months off of one of the best performances in NBA finals history. I don't see how that's even possible. I I would want to hang on to him as much as like, like Jeff Van Gundy on Alonzo Mourning's leg. I don't understand how you could want to be able to trade him away like this. <laughs> Yeah, I think people, I mean, people get panicky. People get really nervous. And I, it's it's always like, there was the same kind of conversations and when the Raptors are doing really badly was to like blow the team up. And it's like, like, I know it felt like it at times, but they were still too good. Just like the Heat are, they're too good of a team to get to blow them up. Like, why would you start from scratch? You just got to this plateau that you've arrived yeah. at, especially yeah. the Heat, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that doesn't make sense to me because it's like, yeah, you know, you also have so much stuff going against these guys this season. Like Jimmy was out because of health and safety protocols for a long yep. time. That's going to throw the team off. If they were already having kind of a sticky start, that's going to throw them off even more. Um, and it's just a super weird year. Like it was the same with like Lowry talk. It was like trade Lowry for anyone we can. Like his his return is highest now. Trade him and we'll blow the team up and <laughs> we'll trade Siakam. And it's like, how can you leverage all these players that, you know, mere months ago, were touted as like the future of the franchise. Right. You, I mean, you theoretically, yeah, Masai Ujiri could, but I don't think he's going to, because like, why would you do that if you've built to this point for so long? What is like, the thing about starting from scratch is it's not attractive because then you're going to suck and be very bad for many years to come. Also, yeah, people always forget strange... that aspect of it, right? It's not like yeah. you hit right away on a first round pick that's all of a sudden going to no. turn around your franchise and make you win 50 games. 
And the heat to me is such a young team. So that's even stranger of a logic. Like how much younger than Tyler Hero do you want? Well, that's like, that's the <laughs> other side of it too, is that you're you're packaging 21-year-old, barely 21-year-old Tyler Hero for like 36-year-old ass PJ Tucker. And that's not a knock on PJ, no, who's a fine PJ. individual. Yeah, everybody yes. loves PJ. <laughs> but I mean, really? You want to trade Tyler Hero for PJ Tucker? I, I mean, I don't much I don't know how much longer. He can guard the center position in today's league. So I, I just I feel like everybody's looking to recreate what Jay Crowder brought to the table last year. And that ship has sailed. And I, I don't think it's I don't think it's PJ Tucker. I don't think you're giving up Hero for a player like that. And like it's one thing to have the conversation about Hero for say Bradley Beal or James Harden, which mm -hmm. I think is what impacted his confidence earlier in the season. But now that Harden is already there, Beal likes likely to stay in Washington. I don't know. I don't know, think there's a player that you would trade Tyler Hero for. I, I mean, not one that's readily available, uh, you know, as far as the current landscape of superstars or anything like that. Like, he's a really good scorer. He's really young. There's potential there for him to reach all-star level status, if not at least six-man-of-the-year status pretty consistently like Lou Williams. And that's that's the kind of player you want on your roster. At least that's what I think. So, too. I mean, just kind of the discourse has and like a reaction to things. But I do sometimes wonder like, has the pendulum swung all the way over from the idea of like playing a longer game when building a team? You know what I mean? I think that used to kind of be, like if you're gonna build a dynasty, it's gonna take some time. And the idea like is- Like the process? That, yeah, bad example. But like the Warriors say, right? Like you have a good team and then you build on it, but the whole idea is to stay there. It's not to just like come in hot and then just like burn up the next season. To me, that's that's like a lot of other sports, like, you know, that happens in football, that can happen in hockey, but mm -hmm. basketball, like, I would think you kind of want, you you want a longevity, you want a, a winning team, and then if you have the opportunity to make that better by kind of tinkering with it, do that, but like, the idea of just blowing something up because it's frustrating and kind of depressing and makes you anxious for a few months, when you think of like how long, even this very short season, it's still going to be a long season especially when you factor in the postseason so like it's just i always just want to gently say like cool it yeah so what what are your what have you been your thoughts about miami's season because it feels like it's been so inconsistent they won three games in a row after losing three games in a row and winning four games before that and that's you know with jimmy in and out of the lineup now thankfully he's back it seems like he's back to Playing at a pretty high level, three triple doubles in a row, you know, great statistical output anyway. Although I still think there's some <laughs> inconsistent level of play from him there. And that's not him finding ways to read the room or anything like that. That's just him like not not scoring well. Like it just seems like if there's a nagging injury and a jumper that's been missing for a year and a half, uh, you know, with a couple blips here and there in the Orlando bubble, I'm I'm legitimately concerned about Butler shooting moving forward. But uh mm -hmm. Other than that, have you had any thoughts about Miami and their struggles this season? I mean, I would say it would be more surprising to me if they were like an outlier in their struggles. Do you know what I mean? Especially when we're looking at the East. Like I can't, I don't think aside from the Sixers, there hasn't really been a team that came out strong and stayed that way. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it, mm -hmm. it's just, everyone is like kind of middling now, kind of figuring it out. Um, things are definitely going to shift again. I don't know exactly what's going on with the Bucks. Same with the Celtics. And I think like where the Heat are sitting, like they're tied up with what, like the Bulls and the Hornets right now. Yeah. 
14 and 17. They're actually a, a game, a half game behind the Hornets and Bulls. Right. So like, and then when you also look, they're just, they're still just like a game, basically a game behind the Pacers who are fourth. So I think, you know, when you look at it this way, is that nothing's really clear cut this season for a lot of teams. I was just sort of surprised, basically looking at like the season they came off of, how explosive and just like kind of cutting and just unstoppable they seemed in the bubble. I just thought that they had energy to spare and it would potentially carry over, but you also never know. And like we touched on before, like is such a strange season. There were like, it it started earlier than anyone anticipated. The Heat especially, excuse me, did not have much time to prep for it. Um, Whether that was just like individual training or their team training camps. I think there's like, I mean, remind me, but have the Heat seen, they've been pretty decent aside from Dragic with soft tissue injuries. Uh, Avery Bradley has uh, missed some time there, but, uh, you know, uh, Myers Leonard out for the season. And I should mention, uh, you know, the Heat officially granted their 4.7 million trade exception uh, because of uh, the the, the, uh, loss of Myers Leonard for the season. So, uh, no, no, I guess mostly an injury. It's just been COVID related issues. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, the health and safety protocols wound up having like it was it would felt so immediate, too, because they played the Wizards, you know, as so many teams in the East have. Uh, and then the next game, they had to postpone that matchup against the Celtics. And then we find out like half the roster is going to be mm-hmm. out for their next matchup, too. So it was it was uh, pretty drastic there, including Bam and Goron. I think that was just mostly due to contact tracing and mm-hmm. Um, and I but, just don't think it's realistic to expect them to come back from that kind of instability. You know, like pro athletes at this level are such creatures of habit. Oh, yeah. like that habit has been disrupted big time, like, even before the season started and now all throughout the season. You know what I mean? There's been no yeah. consistency. So I think you have to factor that in to the way that they're playing. I think they've, they've, you know, touch wood, the fact that they have escaped a lot of the like, because there's been a big uptick, I think, in soft tissue injuries just across the league, whether you want to, you know, look to the short and training camps for that and just like the way that teams are kind of handling. And I think the Heat are playing, maybe they're just being more careful because of considering everything else that I don't I mean the team themselves, I mean, the people managing the team, just because of everything else they've kind of gone through with the health and safety protocols. But yeah. I think that's like the biggest sticking point right now. I, to me, the Heat just like need a little bit more of like a straight runway. I don't feel like they've had that all season, you know. And yeah. now they have it. You've, you've got three wins in a row. You're you're building up a rhythm, you know. Like you're yeah. you're built. They're building their way back to probably the same thing I was describing earlier. The kind of look and feel that you recognize. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, there was a uh, moments there uh, in their most recent win over Oklahoma City where they were moving the ball and you know that just eight assists for eight made field goals early in the first quarter. And you're thinking, Oh, this is it. And then they wound up kind of crapping the bed a little bit and looking very spotty and, and not being able to hit a shot at all. And part of that was Jimmy. Again, he went three of 11 against the, the Oklahoma city thunder. And then he was able to turn it on in the third quarter and get to the line much more often. And by that point, Miami had almost blown the game wide open. Duncan Robinson starts getting hot too. He's been in and out. He's been getting a lot more pressure defensively. So there have been a lot of little issues here and there, and and I get the feeling like people have been all over the place. I feel like I've been one of the more positive voices on Heat Twitter regarding the season um, because while it hasn't looked great, I 
attested most of that to the inconsistency, the the number of lineups that they've gone through. I think they have like 17 different starting lineups so far this season. They've only started to having some stability on that sense with none in the in the starting lineup. But when Goran comes back, who knows if that's going to change? I wouldn't expect it to, but that's a whole other issue there. It, it's just been a really, really weird season. Are you still getting any? Are you still able to get any joy out of it? Because I know it's been difficult with so much going on. But uh, last time we talked, I think we we kind of addressed it a little bit that it's been harder to to enjoy the season than it normally is. Mm-hmm. The, the, I'll, I want to first just lend one more silver lining, hopefully for, for folks listening, is that because of all those lineups, I just know this because the Raptors went through this last year yeah. when everyone was getting hurt every other game it felt like and they had a similar number of just like an insane number of starting lineups it's good in the long run right because it just like it's gonna just build resiliency in a way that they wouldn't have had otherwise and it like looks ugly and it's stressful and it's no fun Uh, and sometimes you lose games but they'll never like it's just like a deep knowledge that the team will always have so i think it's a good thing um as far as joy i mean i'm finding flashes (laughs) here and there. Um, I think to me, like all-star is still something that is so strange and questionable to me as to why it had to happen. I mean, I know it's revenue. I know that's why it had to happen. And that's why the pressure was there. But like when all the players that are ostensibly going to be like playing in the game have pretty much come out and said, they don't really see the point, nor do they really want to be there. uh, I think that's a pretty big strike against it. I think if the mayor of Atlanta is saying, she doesn't want it there. That's a pretty big strike against it. That's huge. I did and not so, see that. Yeah. yeah. So it just feels like in a lot of ways, the season to me feels out of step. It feels kind of like the NBA is almost like three months behind the, just like the narrative of the real world. You know what I mean? In terms yeah. of like what's going on and being able to like read the room. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember yeah. in Chicago, like the mayor is at several events and then yeah, in Charlotte, they loved it. Yeah. In Charlotte, it was like a big party. It wasn't that cold. It was certainly wasn't as cold as it was in Chicago. It was just a completely different vibe. And now in Atlanta, they're saying, please don't come. Like, uh, thanks <laughs> for considering us. And I appreciate it, but maybe save it for another time. And that's, and that's huge for us. Like, cause Ulster is huge for a city like it was freezing in Chicago and there were people crammed at every event like whether that was at the arena or just like the offshoot kind of like promo like sponsorship events that happen all around All-Star like people were very jacked up about All-Star. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of huddling there. You wrap your scarf around and you kind of bear with it and you just try to get to where you need to go. Uh, the, the 10 foot dash to your Uber is one of the more <laughs> freezing experiences that I'll recall there. I mean, coming from Miami, I, that was like one of the first times I'd seen like actual snow pretty consistently. So that was, uh, that was pretty awesome. I, I honestly though, I actually really liked it. I, I have to admit, I, I loved the, the Chicago winter. I, I fell in love with the city. I'd never been to Chicago before All-Star. And under that that kind of lens and everything else that's going on with the All-Star and the, the just general insanity of getting from one yeah. place to another without actually even knowing the city at all, I, I wind up just really enjoying the whole process. But I'm just weird that way. Uh, you no, know, speaking I of All- loved it too. <laughs> I yeah, had I- also never been to Chicago. And I like, I was probably i was out there every day just freezing smiling walking the streets the locals were looking at me like i was a lunatic but i was yeah. just so happy to be there <laughs> you too huh okay good um <laughs> anyway 
All-Star, that was a great segue. We'll talk about that in the next segment because uh, we're on the eve of All-Star Reserves being selected, so I wanted to get your perspective on that. And, we'll, and you'll talk about your All-Star of favorite players to talk to cover uh, in the next segment. So uh, you're listening to Locked on Heat. March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first Big Board of the year out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. We were talking about the All-Star game. The starters have been selected already. Reserves are going to be selected late Tuesday night. And I have to tell you, I don't really care too much. Um, I, I feel like Heat fans are just like, they're pushing for their guys, like Jimmy Bam, and there's been legitimate conversations here about who deserves to be on it. And and I just, between the whole fact that this is feels very much like an empty process with the All-Star, again, going to a city that they're not even wanted in, um, that key players have already said, nah, we probably aren't going to be there, and they don't really care too much about the honor and everything else. It just it feels weird. I don't have any legitimate arguments for Bam or Jimmy to make the All-Star. I can't – I don't know. Do you have a preference of one or the other make it? Mm, this is the thing, too. I want – like, I think players like going to All-Star because of, like, the energy around it. And if Yeah, they're like, not going to like it this year. That's for sure. If it's, like, doesn't have that and they're just stuck in their hotel rooms, like, that is not Jimmy's scene. You know what I mean? And I also right. don't want that for Bam, who I think should, like, be on that stage as it's supposed to be. Right. So – all good points. I mean, I want them both. If they want to both go, I would love to see them both there. I have a feeling they both maybe don't care so much. Um, I think Bam does. He's at that point yeah. as far as his career where like racking up those accolades probably means a lot more than Jimmy. I I can't get a sense from That's Jimmy fair. that he really cares. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think without the like social aspect to some degree, like I Jimmy was like, you, did were you at All Star Media Day? The like Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jimmy loved it. Like he yeah. was enjoy like when he's he was up on that podium. Uh I know because I was a foot away screaming his name and there's stills of me looking so depressed because we never he couldn't hear you. He never heard me. <laughs> <laughs> but he like thrives in the spotlight. Like he was that, sassy. So. He had he had yeah. a little extra spice to him uh mm -hmm. in Chicago. And you know, that's the city he played in. I mean kind of like a big comeuppance there after like yes. the debacle of Philadelphia and everything else and, and leading to the heat to like such a successful record early on. That was, that was a big show for him. And then, you know, they wound up really having great performances from Bam, from Derek Jones Jr. Winning the slam dunk contest. I mean, Duncan Robinson was the only player who kind of struggled in the three point contest, all of which are still taking place in Atlanta. I don't even want to talk about it. It's just, it's too much. Is there, it's yeah. Fred, right? Fred Van Vliet <laughs> would be the, it's Fred, the yeah. only, the only, uh, potential all-star selection from the Raptors. yeah it's potentially fred and there's there's some deep raptors raptors thinking that um from raptors twitter i should specify not from the team itself right that kyle has put himself out this recent stretch to put the spotlight on fred so fred <laughs> gets more votes <laughs> that is deep 
that is wow that's that's some deep covert sub thinking there i i have never considered that it's like oh i'm gonna sit out the next week and a half to give fred a chance of inflating yeah. his numbers and, and getting the all-star recognition maybe i, I don't know, I guess it's it possible but i also like i loved the game last year because kyle larry changed it like he changed the flow of the all-star game it was exciting to watch again so i'm kind of like if one if larry's not going to be in it i don't really care i don't really care about the game to begin with um, but I'm kind of like, if they don't go, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Like, it's kind of nice to say, oh, okay. They got an all-star selection. I'm hoping both of them develop nagging quote unquote foot injuries, like right before the all-star game that precludes <laughs> them from get the selection, get the accolades, you know, help if it, it you know, writes into a, a bonus or some kind into your contracts, that's all great and fine for me. I'm not paying for it. <laughs> I just don't go to the actual game. Like take a week off, go to the Bahamas, do or yeah, not. Take a no. vacation, man. Yeah. Like all these, they just, they need a break. Everybody yes. Well, even the break isn't a really a break. Like they still have to go through daily testing multiple times during the course of that time. And so it's just, it's not like they're going to ever enjoy any part. This must be such a difficult, terrible season. Like I just, even from my own lazy perspective of having to go and cover games or anything like that, it's just not as fun as it once was. But I can't imagine like players, I, I was, I've mentioned this a couple of times on various podcasts and I, I can't help but bring it up because it just really stood out to me. The JJ Reddick podcast, Old Man and the Three. I'm not sure if you listen to it regularly or not, but he had Steven Adams on there recently and he was talking oh, about- Did he talk about his worm farm? Uh, he did. He did actually, he did. <laughs> Is there a joke that in there somewhere? This season. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah. That is, like, yeah, that has that brought me immense joy this season. I gotta Steven say, Steven is is great. Like, I one of the best slash worst interviews I ever had. He was just like, you know, he was he was Steven Adams. He just didn't really feel like talking too much that day. He was kind of tired, and, and he said so. He's like, oh, I'm just tired, mate. And then that was it. That was like that would set the tone for everything. And then like I'm trying to understand him, and he seemed like he had his accent doubled up even more than usual. And I wound up asking him about food. And he was like, what, why do you want to ask me about food? Like, he was just like squinting at me like, what the hell are you talking about? But he wound up telling me that sea urchin was his favorite food at the moment. So I don't know if that's still the case, but uh, it was interesting to talk to, to Stephen Adams. <laughs> I haven't had the pleasure, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't even know why I brought up. Oh, okay, it's because of the podcast. There you mm -hmm, go. Mm -hmm. um, so he was talking with Reddick about like the disruption in their sleep um, that, you know, he's they have to go through this testing where they wake up like at five or six in the morning for their first test of the game, like first of three. And of course you're in your hotel. The Pelicans have been doing a lot of losing lately. And for players like Reddick and Adams, both, they stay up late on those nights and just the energy, the adrenaline of any game, whether you win or lose, it's going to be hard to kind of just go and say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to relax and call it a night and just like watch Netflix and, and relax. You know, not, that's not happening for NBA players. They just, they anguish, they eat themselves up. They're, they're, they're excited. They're hyped up from all the energy of the game itself. And, then they finally wind up falling asleep, say three in the morning. And mm -hmm. then you get a wake up call a couple hours later for to, you know, to have your, your first test of the day. It's just try to have to it's go so back disruptive. to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be weird. And I know like people listening are probably saying, Oh, they're getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's not fair to just have to go through that kind of stuff that they're going for just because they're getting paid a lot of money, but that's, yeah, it's still weird. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not easy yeah, for them. They're millionaires, but it's still a, literally a weird thing that's happening that's happening to them and i mean to that point like the nba has such a problem with sleep schedules right and just like yeah. getting enough sleep and exhaustion being so prevalent pace is like pace goes up i think it's like the the pace rating it gets higher every yes. year 
and then the exode is the exhaustion, which like those two things colliding is not. Well, which is why the level nice. of basketball was so high in the bubble yeah. because there was no travel because you had some semblance of sleep schedule, but at the same time, you could go out, you could walk around the, the, the facility, you can get some sunlight. This is like something that they're deprived of this season where they're walking from the hotel to the team bus and from the team bus to the arena. And you're, you know, wearing masks the whole time appropriately, of course, but it's just like, it's not the same joy for the players that it normally is either. So along those lines, the all-star game is coming up, but we don't really care too much about the actual reserves being selected. So I, I don't have much. I was just trying to think of something fun to do for the all-star game. Do you have like, an all-star team of your five favorite players to talk to uh, or just five favorite players, period. Yeah. I have five favorite players to talk to and I even have a coach and I have to ask you, do I have to pick? Oh, Oh, they're both active coaches. Now this is going to be tough for me. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Let's let I'm now I'm curious. I I didn't really have anything prepared (laughs) at all for this. Something that my listeners probably are all too aware of, but go for it. I love this kind of stuff. Um, Bam out of bio really yeah he was so he's a wonderful person to talk to he's so happy at least he like i talked to him at all-star i caught him and we were talking about him and his game and then pascal's game and kind of comparing the two of them and i guess i didn't realize i was glancing over to where pascal was and bam kept then eventually he fought like he slowly followed my eyes over and his face just lit up and he was like, that's why you keep pointing and looking over there. <laughs> was this at like, the podium? Yeah, like, oh. yeah, it, it was. But it was like a moment where, you know how it is there. You've got literally like 50 other people pressing up behind you, but it just kind of removed the room and the chaos of the room. It was just like, it was a very nice moment. Um, and he was just like super candid and like so excited. So it made me wish, and I would have had the opportunity had the season Back on the way I did, got suspended and everything. Now, I guess this it might be my biggest loss of COVID thus far is that they were coming and I never got to talk to Bam at a bio in Toronto one-on-one. You should and- see him now. He, he's made it kind of like a, I, I don't know why, like a, not necessarily like his mission or anything like that, but he, he always shouts out a special Greek reporter that always comes on to uh, the post-game pressers or via Zoom. Chris Saltos, who's become like a, a kind of a celebrity of his own because he always goes, hello, Bam. Uh, uh, you know, he always like phrases his questions. He'll say, what does it feel like to be winning? And he always asks him these questions and, and Bam always goes, man, what time is it over there? And Chris always goes, <laughs> oh, it's six in the morning, you know, or something like something ungodly, uh, you know, because he stays up late just to cover these games, even on the West Coast road trip, which I mean, has must have everybody's sleep patterns disrupted. And he always just. Bam always shakes his head. He goes like, "You, you, you're, you're a true one. You know, you're like, you're a real one. This, the, you, your commitment to this is amazing. So it's, it's just funny how he's kind of reached out to that one particular reporter there. But yeah, I Bam is a, a good choice. He's a very yeah. good. He, he, he's number one for me. Um, then I would probably say Lonnie Walker. Um, oh, I've never talked to Lonnie. How, what's he like? I mean, obviously he's got the kind of the off-court personality he seems like a very interesting guy like he's i remember when he was first drafted and he played at um and i still never get a chance to talk to him here but um you know he, he always had like a lot of off the court stuff as far as like reading and knowing about animals and stuff like that you did you do a feature on him or something yeah i wrote a profile about him he's very introspective he has yeah. also like he has two extremely beautiful and gigantic dogs that he loves so much so that's <laughs> what we opened with nice um, and then we were we were talking about his game, um, and then he had this beautiful like he's also he's like a fashion guy. He had like a beautiful um, 
red leather jacket on yeah. and we were talking about it. He just had like great fit that day. And we were talking about it and pop came over and like reached over my shoulder and was like, can you lend this to me? <laughs> and like, they had like a really playful back and forth because pop because Lonnie was like, I think you need basically some lessons first, like before you could pull something like this off. Wow. Like, that's, 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 uh, that's yeah. great. That's chutzpah, he was right? Like, I'm happy to help you. And then pop was like, okay, thanks so much. And then we kind of got back to it, but it was a very, it was very fun. That's awesome. Um, what do you think about the hair, the, the haircut? I know he's, he's before the season, right? Is when he finally cut the, the locks off. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love it. It was very like a very weighted decision. Like he said, he was because I mean, because this summer he, he basically came out and said he had suffered. Oh yeah, that's right. No, there, there was yeah, yeah there was a yeah, reason like, behind it. Yeah, okay, it was cutting ties for the past more than anything. Yeah, exactly. And he was just like, I want to clean a, a fresh start. I was very. I mean, I, I was heartbroken. I just, but I also feel like just taking control of his story in that way to me just feels very much like what Lonnie Walker is all about. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy for him. Yep. Uh, I love his hair both ways, but if this is what he wants to do, more power to him. Yeah. Okay. Who else? Um, little, little bit of a curveball. Okay. Kylo Quinn. Um, okay. Because <laughs> I, I came in, it, I actually, like I wanted to talk to Kylo Quinn, but he was, um, when I went up to him in the locker room, he was opening a birthday card. <laughs> and that was a great he was so happy also he also has just that like megawatt smile yes and he opened it up as i approached him and he just just like lit up um and we talked about yoga <laughs> wow that must have been a great conversation is he a, pra a, a practitioner of yoga yeah he loves yoga it was about a story that never got off the ground just about what guys like kylo quinn lend to teams if they're not necessarily getting the most minutes on the floor but guys right. like that locker room presences they do have a significant impact on teams so i was curious okay. to talk to him about, about that right. so you got three so far. yoga cabins um <laughs> wait yoga and what cabins cabins yeah <laughs> okay like beautiful northern cabins <laughs> that sounds great <laughs> yeah I mean, um, I, I didn't realize he had those kind of interests. Yeah, he played in Orlando in a while. I never got a chance to talk to him. Yeah. And now he's in Turkey, so I don't know. Is he really? Is he actively playing still in Turkey? I did yeah, not realize he's that. in okay. Istanbul. Okay. <laughs> you say that like we should all know this about Kylo Quinn. Sorry, I guess no one follows Kylo Quinn as closely as I do, but I no. do. <laughs> all right. Hey, point taken. Sorry, Katie. All right. And then we'll remain staff... locked on Kyle Quinn and you can host Yeah, that. we should. We yeah. should. I have um, Anthony Simons, who was just wow. a delight. But one of the, those interviews where it was last year is like his first with the team. He's so young and was like pretty nervous that it made me extremely nervous. So we oh, both man. just kind of blundered our way through it. But we were just kind of laughing the whole time. So it was nice. Well, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you've got mm -hmm. a couple selections left. So Anthony Simons, Kyle O'Quinn, Bam Adebayo. Who am Lonnie I Walker. Lonnie Walker. That's four. Okay. Um, final selection, CJ McCollum. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes well, sense. Like CJ's great. I mean, yeah. he, he knows the media game very well. So that was always really interesting. We just had, this was recently, but when I wrote that big wine feature, yes, we talked, we were just gabbing on the phone about wine and it was wonderful. <laughs> that's great. 
but he's also a pro because he's like he's talking about like the business side of basically starting his own wine distribution company and like how invested he is in it and things like the soils you know and like that part of like viticulture so he I don't know he's just like very he's a pro I think he went to school for public relations or like Journalism, actually. Journalism, sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I yeah. wrote a, I wrote something specifically about that because I asked him about like that kind of relationship between media and uh, and you know him as a player and everything else. Like, I mean, that's a conversation that no piece could do justice. But I, I, I was so curious because he has such a unique perspective and he's actually like mentored mm-hmm. kid. I think he started up like some kind of a mentorship program for kids who are interested in journalism and everything. So he's, he's talked about that relationship before. And I, I have no doubt that he's probably going to do something in the field of broadcasting once he retires. Yeah. Just like very generous, very thoughtful and candid, um, yeah. just a good, con- and like a good conversationalist to boot. Yeah. So for my coach, I have to say uh, I had originally um, picked Rick Carlisle, but now I I want to switch it or maybe I can have an assistant. He can okay. be the assistant, but the yeah, like team USA where it's like, you know, you've got your, 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 all your head coaches are there, but even if they're just filling in an assistantship role. Yeah. So Rick can be the assistant to head coach Stan Van Gundy. Oh, <laughs> oh, that, that, okay. Yeah. Stan qualifies. Now that was the question you were wondering before if he, he was as an yeah. coach, if he qualifies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I could see it. Look, Stan is great. Struggling in New Orleans. I, I thought it was a bad decision to hire him as a head coach, although now he gets to make your all-star team. So I guess it all paid off. Yeah. Um, plus he's I have getting... to say, I Go didn't ahead. include, I just didn't include Becky Hammond because this uh, exercise is not serious enough. Uh, I, I take her more seriously than that. That's what yeah, I mean. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. And that was, <laughs> that was a great interview you did with her and, and everybody should check that out. It's, I believe, pinned on your Twitter profile. Yeah, part. I'm never taking that down. <laughs> <laughs> what was she like to talk to? It sounds like that would have been amazing. So cool, man. Like when you come into one, no one is cool on Zoom. And like, that was like, when I came into that interview, it was just her in on the screen waiting for me. So I felt like a jackass and she had her arm like thrown up over the back of her office chair. Like she was in her office in San Antonio and she was just like kind of reclined, but just like staring so intently waiting for me. Um, And I was muted and talking. (laughs) And then Ooh. she was like, you're on mute. And I'm like, Ooh. oh my God. Like, See, but she's been through so much. I went like, to pieces. Yeah, yeah, like she can't be phased though. Like, she, like that, none of that bothers her. I, I feel like that's probably happens a lot too. Like from our perspective, we're thinking we're making fools of themselves and, and they probably couldn't care less. Like she's been through this so often throughout the course of her career that it probably, I'm sure she doesn't remember it. That's for sure. Like she, she's not, I mean, I she's not waking she up in a cold it. sweat. Huh? <laughs> I hope yeah. she remembers it, but I'm not kidding myself. She may not. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm, that was a, a pretty good murderer's row there of, of interviews. I can imagine that was a, a, a lot of fun getting to know all those people. And it sounds like you had some really good conversations with most of them, even even Kyle Quinn and Anthony Simons. There. So good stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have anything to plug? I know you're you're working on something regarding soft tissue injuries. Am I mistaken there? I am. Um, yeah, I'm kind of working on a retrospective series, basically like a year in, like coming up on the one year anniversary of the NBA suspending last yeah. year. Um, it's pretty critical, but there's different parts to it. So one of them is, yeah, it's on the uptick of injuries and whether or not that's fluke or like what is the science and the data to back it up. Okay. Um, those will all be on dime in probably about a week's time. Oh, wow. 
in the interim, uh, please send me questions to my MBA advice column, uh, at, which is also at Dime, but you can email questions to Anne, A-N-N, Landry Fields, like the player, all one word at gmail.com. I'll take your MBA questions, your MBA life questions, just your life questions. Uh, I love to answer them all. Wasn't it, wasn't it Anne Landry Fields? Anne Landry I... Fields, yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I heard just... the Anne specifically because some people spell it with an E, but it's A-N-N. Landry Fields. Yeah. And this is Anne Landry, the advice columnist. Everybody should know this if you're yes, listening to this that's podcast. The joke. Yes. It's, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't mean to, you know, peel back the curtain here to expose the humor, but I'm sure a lot of people listening probably don't know who Anne Landry is. Know, no offense. That's fair. Um, but that's that column's called Not Bad Advice, uh, and it runs weekly on Dime as well. Yes. So make sure you contribute. Uh, send something in to Katie. Always follow her and her work. You can check her out on Twitter at whatevs. Um, she's a great person to talk to. We love having her here on the show. So thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you as always for your support. Oh.